Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644 is the number. If you'd like to get involved, just one guest lined up for you today. We'll talk SU football with Chris Gedney, as we always do at 1.30 on Thursdays, as we get you set for Syracuse-Miami. 3.30 kick on ESPN uh, down in Miami. We've got SU football to talk about. Uh, We've got uh, certainly... The baseball playoffs to talk about. Yankees, one win away now from the World Series. Rick Pitino uh, spoke with Jay Billis last night on ESPN. And the uh, the first official preseason college basketball poll is out, so we're going to talk some college basketball. I do find it interesting, Seth, with all of that on the table, SU football, we've got baseball, Rick Pitino and college basketball. I walk in the door, the first thing you said to me was, I watched three NBA games <laughs> I last did. night. I did. I had to tell you because you said you're really going to watch these games. Uh, I ended up flipping around and watching a little bit of uh, of the games. I even watched my Nets, and Jeremy Lin is out for the season, so there go their playoff hopes. Uh, but, yeah, I, I watched baseball. I watched some basketball. Whoa, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> there go their playoff hopes? Were there, were there playoff hopes? No. Okay. No. Just wanted to clarify that. They have, like a ver- I think, a very, very, very slim shot at Nab in the eight seed. That's like, like saying, the slimmest. Like they have like the longest of long shots to get the eight seed. That's and like saying the Browns are in a must poof. win uh, this Sunday to, to keep their playoff hopes alive. They are. Yeah, Nets aren't going to the playoffs, but yes, unfortunate. You know, Jeremy Lin uh, hurts his knee. He's out for the D'Angelo season. Russell looked really good. Yeah, thirty points. Everybody scored uh, last night. You uh, they you did. watched uh, what the the that was the Pacers Nets right? Pacers Nets. They put up two hundred eighty points right. I saw insane. the final score. I did yeah. not watch. I, I I will admit, I did not watch any of that you did game not last watch. night. Hey, that's fair. I don't blame you. I only watched for a couple minutes. And I, I do appreciate your dedication to the show and, and doing a, a Sports Center update for us. Uh, Max is not here. And if Sal pulled this, uh, I would give him a really hard time. So if Max is listening as he's driving back from the Bronx, uh, he's got some tough questions to answer. Uh, when he gets back, I may or may not give him a tough time, and and by that I mean I will give you him will. I yeah. will give him a hard time oh, uh, for not being. He, he just walked, he's here. He doesn't even know what I'm saying about him. <laughs> no. either. Max, come on. He, in. he has no idea. He has no idea. You have no idea. We were just talking. Sit down. Sit down. <laughs> okay. If Sal did this, I would give him a hard time. I have to give you a hard time. I, I'll, I'll I'll take that. Um. At what point did you know you were going to the Yankees game? Uh, so I was actually at the York out to dinner and, uh, I was watching the game and when they were down before they made the comeback, I was like, if they win, we got to go. And my friend was like, okay. And they won. And so it was, it was about 9.45 okay. when I okay. bought my tickets. Okay. So, so you actually actively pursued buying tickets. Yes. Okay. And so who it did you- It was kind of like Hang a- on. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> hang on. Who did you- 
reach out to from, oh, I don't know, ESPN Radio to tell me we're going. I texted Seth, he actually, did. and he I was he like, look, enough. I have an opportunity to go to the game. He told me. And fair he was, enough. And Seth gave me the green light. And oh, I, said, I said I would skip the show, too. Okay, <laughs> fair point. Um, there are three people in this room right now, though. Um, just saying, maybe, maybe, should have given me a heads up. Hey, Steve, <laughs> not, not going to be there. Just saying. Did you miss me? Uh, he's yeah, not bad. He's just disappointed. He's just disappointed. It, again, I think that's worse, actually. The responsible thing to do would have been to reach out to both of us. That's like... In my know. excited state, I okay. wasn't thinking clearly. No, I apologize. Fair enough. Um, and and I next apologize. time, next time, okay, just we, we learn from our mistakes. Next time, you should reach out to both of us just to see if we wanted to go as well. Maybe we could <laughs> yeah, have... Yeah, you know, that was, something that was we selfish We could have left it to a clock. We could have figured it I mean, out. We, we could have figured it out. We could have gotten uh, back on time. But. And again, if my, my former co-host had done this and walked in at, at five after and said, well, I ran into traffic, I was here hang at on. one. Hang on. I've been listening. You're late. You're late. Okay. <laughs> the show starts at 12. And if Sal had done that, I would have said, and his response was, I got I got stuck in traffic. My response would have been, you were in New York City. You knew there was going to be a lot of traffic. Leave I earlier. I was up so early this morning. That's, that's not the point. Was, you should have gotten up five minutes earlier and you wouldn't have been late. Okay. I mean, you sh- you can always assume on traffic leaving the city. I was not assuming construction the in Pennsylvania. Around- no, Binghamton oh. was bad this oh. morning. And I know traffic has been going on in Binghamton, and that's been a thing for probably the twenty three years of my entire life. Uh, it Max, was bad this morning. Excuses, excuses. Okay, let just let's just recap. Next time, let us all know. Uh, invite us as well. And leave earlier so that you're here on time the well, next day. Well, do you want to know how the game was? I was, I was going to get there. We watched I just, it. I we know make, how it went. I want to make sure we're all on the same page here. But yes, how was the how was the atmosphere, first of all? Because you hear Joe Girardi afterwards. You hear the players talk about, and, and Chase Headley brought this up. Girardi said it the other day, comparing it to a college football well, game. Did you get that, that yeah, sense? No, absolutely. It was honestly unbelievable walking in there. And I, I had never been to the new Yankee Stadium, and that was my first new stadium um, experience and walking in there and seeing ALCS painted on the the first and third base sign was very surreal and honestly the atmosphere was unlike anything I've ever been a part of in my entire life. It was I was in the bleachers and it was incredible. I, w- I was the furthest I've ever sat away from the action at a baseball game and I had the most fun and the best experience I've ever had at a baseball game and I've been to a few of them I I uh I mean I was at the old stadium and I was right behind the dugout and Jeter tipped his cap to me that was up there but this was this was un- unbelievable honestly it was incredible so it was worth it then yeah yeah sounds like it it was it worth was... it was worth hearing the disappointment in my voice yeah okay fair enough. I'm just giving it's you a like, hard time I, I know I'm glad you I had, I'm glad you had a good time it was, I deserved it I'm glad you had a good time I'm glad you're back now go get to work thank you for checking in. I'll be back with today's business at some point. All right. Okay. Some point. I'll, I'll put something. Go get a cup of coffee. We, yeah. You got to bring it for I the next two hours. I haven't changed clothes, by the way. This is oh, thanks the same for That's outfit. too much information. Thanks <laughs> for letting us know that. This is the same outfit. So I, who's on the back of the shirt? This is I got a I got a Judge jersey. Oh, nice. And I got a DD undershirt because I was wearing a red undershirt, and you could see it through mm. the jersey. And you I was you like, purchased it at the stadium? Outside, yeah. How much How much you spend? It was $100 for the $100. jersey. $100. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's... 
that's, that's standard. Kinda, yeah, that's standard that's for a jersey. That's kind of what it would be wherever you go. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. If and, uh, I don't know if I'd be willing to. Not for the team. Not down for the team. I have no Yankees apparel okay. anymore, and Fair I enough. used to have a ton of jerseys. And then when I was a kid, and obviously outgrew them. But you've got, I used to be, you got all the answers today. Yeah. I was all in on the on the t-shirts, on the player t-shirts, the jersey I, shirts. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the, that's the, what this, like the one yeah. that you're wearing. Yeah, yeah. I I went on a trip to a bunch of baseball stadiums one summer. Like we like a teen tour. We just got on a bus and went to a bunch of stadiums. I got one at each stadium I went to. Okay. I have some hilarious player shirts now. <laughs> I oh, can imagine. I have some hilarious. <laughs> I can imagine. Ryan Terrio on the Cubs. Okay. Random. I got Drew Stubbs and Shinsu Chu, and then that offseason <laughs> they got traded for each other. Okay. I, I mean. I have some <laughs> hilarious Those shirts. are players I haven't thought of until you just brought them Heath up. Bell. Yep. I remember Heath Bell. I remember all of them, actually. It's just I had never given them a second they thought. They escape your mind. Yeah, yeah exactly. All right, Max, get out of here. Uh, <laughs> glad you had fun. That's my five minutes. Glad you had fun. Uh, we'll we'll see you later for today's business. Uh, had to do it, Seth. Had oh, to do of course. It. Um, again, if that was my former co-host, uh, I would have I would have laid into him a little bit more than that. But uh, glad Max is bla- back. Glad uh, glad he had fun. That was a heck of a game. And oh yeah, you know we keep talking about the Yankees look like a different team at home. They look like a different team at home. Six and zero now uh, in the postseason at home. Tanaka was fabulous. The Yankees got to Dallas Keuchel much like they got to Corey Kluber in the last series. And I, I do think it was a big benefit for these guys. To have seen Keuchel just a week ago. Now, obviously, it didn't yeah. go well a week ago or less than a week ago. Uh, but for them to get the the second shot at uh, at Keuchel, um, I think it made all the difference in the world. They they assumed that he was going to attack him the same way. It seemed like he did, and and they got to him early. Greg Bird had the RBI single to get it going, uh, made it one nothing. Judge followed it up in the next inning, and that was all Tanaka needed. He cruised from there. Oh, absolutely. And, and you mentioned they're a different team at home. They certainly are, but. Like, let's not forget what they did in Game 5 in the last series, right? They used the momentum of the two home games to go win a game when they had to. Um, And and I would imagine that that continues here. They were terrible in Houston. They were awful in Houston offensively. Pitching was there. Pitching was still great. The offense did absolutely nothing in Houston to help them out. The offense has come alive over the last three games. And can they continue even remotely in Game 6 and 7? It's going to be a tough task because you face Justin Verlander. Uh, but, you know, you, you're now rolling, and that Houston offense is not, and now Houston's got all the pressure on him. And, oh, by the way, if that goes seven, you have the pitching advantage because the last time that pitching matchup happened, you scored seven runs in three innings off of their starter. So you've got to feel good about where the Yankees sit right now if if you're looking for them to make a World Series. Um, I, I can't believe the pitching that we've gotten, uh, you know, that we've seen, I should say, uh, from Tanaka, from Severino, uh, you know, from CeCe. Uh, this Astros offense is really, really good, and they've scored nine runs in five games. Like, this Astros offense is really good, and they've scored nine runs in five games. Um, I-, I can't believe that. That's less than two runs a game. Uh, you're, a, you're, you're an anemic offense if you go through a five-game stretch scoring less than two runs a game. I mean, that's awful. You can't help but watch this team, Seth, the way that they turned an 0-2 hole into a 3-2 win in the divisional round and an 0-2 hole now to a 3-2 advantage uh, in the ALCS. You can't help but watch them and not feel like 
you know, there's some Yankee magic out there. And that this, you know, it sounds corny or cliche to say, you know, the, the team of destiny or whatever. But doesn't it feel a little bit like that? The, yeah. the way that they're playing yeah. right now, that they've got they've got a certain intangible about them right now that I'm not it's, sure what the Astros can do to flip the script because the momentum is clearly in the Yankees' favor. And they believe they're going to win. I mean, the Yankees believe that they are going to win the series. And and frankly, I think they believed it when they were down 0-2. Yeah. They, they, they believed they were hey, going to figure out home. a way. Yeah, they, we're good. they believed they'd figure it out. And they certainly figured it out. You know, uh, there's the whole mystique and aura, right? Uh, you know, and, and Kurt Schilling famously made fun of that. Uh, but there, there's the whole mystique and aura kind of a feel, and and you could say, oh no, that's the old place, that's the old stadium, that's across the street, and I would agree with you. Like, yeah, that that's across the street, right? That's the old place where you know you you could play a game in that stadium, and say, man, this is where Babe Ruth hit home runs in the World Series. This is where Mickey Mantle hit home runs in the World Series. You know, some of those guys are with us tonight, right? Like you, like. There, there's a case to be made when you were playing across the street in the old stadium. And, and for now, eight years, you didn't have that feeling here. And this postseason run, you've got that feeling again. And whatever it is, right, what, whatever the reasoning is, and, and I saw it explained on Twitter uh, by Peter Schrager from from Fox, the NFL reporter. Um, and, and I actually thought this made a lot of sense. But he, he kind of laid it out like this, like, Jeter, Pettit, Moe, Posada were so ingrained in the old stadium, right? Like, that was their place. By the end of that run, that was their building. As much as it was Ruth's and Gehrig's and, and Mantle and DiMaggio and, and everybody else. And then they moved to the new place and it just felt weird because that didn't feel right. And that wasn't theirs. But, like, they won a World Series in the first year, so you got excited. This new group, to go with the new stadium, like, it, it feels like a match, right? Like, this is the first team that really owns this place. It's Judge, it's Sanchez, it's uh, Didi and and Severino. Like This is their building. And I, I thought that that made a lot of sense for whatever reason. Um, like, okay, maybe it is a little easier to get behind a group where you're not like, no, that's awkward. Like, they shouldn't be playing on this field. They should be back at that other place where it's, you know, creaky and falling apart. You know, you mentioned the, the core four. I mean, you look at the, the core of this team and it's, and it's so young. It's, you know, Judge, Sanchez, Severino, Greg Bird. They're all 25 years old or younger. And they have a, a bunch of other guys who are 26, 27 on the roster. I mean, this is for the most part a, a young team and a and a team that and, and players that have their their best days ahead and for them to be doing this now again I don't think anyone expected them to certainly didn't expect them to contend for a World Series a lot of people didn't even expect them to make the playoffs and so it does feel like they are ahead of schedule right now Steve I've got a good note along those lines they're all twenty five or younger Judge is the oldest one each one had a run scoring hit last night only twice in Yankee history had three players knocked in a run under 25 in a playoff game. Go back to 1939, Joe DiMaggio, Joe Gordon, and Charlie Keller in Game 4 of the World Series, and 1953, Mickey Mantle, Billy Martin, and Gil McDougald in Game 5 of the World Series. And that's it. And DiMaggio and Mantle and Billy Martin and Joe Gordon, I mean, that's an incredible list of players and now it's Judge and Sanchez and Bird that, that's going along with them. You know, they're they're doing things that we have not seen in Yankee history. They're they're putting together a team and and, and a core that, yeah, the the nineties was awesome, but that was also veterans. I, I mean, O'Neill, Ambrosius, and Tino Martinez, and you know, by ninety seven, 
97-98, Bernie Williams was a veteran. You know, and, and so sure, there were some young guys in Pettit and Jeter and Bo. Um, but you know, that that team was largely veteran based. This one, Judge, Sanchez, Bird, Starling Castro's only twenty six years old. He's been in the majors forever, but he's only twenty six. DD Gregorius only twenty seven. Uh, you know, Aaron Hicks is young, Severino's really young. This is a, a core that could be here for seven, eight more years after this and, and still be really good. I'm sure you saw the the Tanaka stat that he is just the third Yankee in postseason history to have two two performances where it was seven plus scoreless innings uh, in the same postseason. Roger Clemens, Whitey Ford, the others. Not bad. Uh, a couple other stats to pass along. I mentioned uh, obviously Yankees six and zero at home. Uh, they're getting about six runs per game offensively in the home games. Their ERA in those six home games in the postseason one point six seven. That's insane. You're going to win a lot of games. That's that's the reason they're six and zero. You're going to win a lot of games if your ERA is is under two, and then conversely on the road, one and four on the road in these playoffs, only uh, getting about three runs per game offensively, giving up uh, about three and a half. Their ERA three point three eight on the road, still pretty good. But in playoff baseball, and when you're going up against you know the opposing team's staff ace, uh, not quite good enough. All they need is one. They go back to Houston. They All they need is two. one. Yeah. And uh, and as you said, the the game seven matchup uh, certainly in the Yankees' favor should it go that far. But it, don't count out Severino. He was good last time out. He, he wasn't Justin Verlander good, but he was good. Well, and Severino was pulled early. He was as good as as Verlander was. He got pulled early because of an injury concern. It, they realized that's not an issue. That's not a problem at all. And you know what? Let's see if Verlander's a little fatigued. Threw 130 pitches, right? His last time out. Uh, let's see if there's a little bit of a lingering effect there. I, I'm, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not saying that you, you can bank on it, uh, but there's a possibility. And just quickly, let's touch on the other series. Cubs staying alive last night with a 3-2 victory. Uh, Joe Madden uh, absolutely lost his mind uh, in the eighth inning. Um, Seth, I know that you have uh, Madden's comments afterwards as he was uh, tossed from the game. He was upset because Curtis Granderson struck out, and Curtis Granderson played it off as if there was a foul tip on on the third strike. There was not a foul tip, but that play is not reviewable, and that's a conversation for another day. Why is that? You know, why is that not reviewable? But other things are. But in any event, it's not reviewable. Uh, The Umps talked it over, and they decided to give Curtis the Curtis Granderson, the, the benefit of the doubt. They said, okay, foul tip, and the, the at-bat continued. Joe Madden absolutely lost his mind, uh, and he talked about that afterwards. Listen, I'm all about the umpires, first of all. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and bang on umpires, I, and I love a lot of guys on this crew. I've known them for a long time, but that can't happen. The process was horrible to have that change, and if Granderson hits the next pitch out, you know, I might come running out of the clubhouse you know, my jockstrap. I mean, that was like really that bad. Uh, the explanation was eventually, eventually, it turned into hearing two sounds. Not one of them saw a foul tip or heard or thought it was a foul tip. It was based on two sounds, which I totally cannot agree with that process whatsoever. When you have 40-some thousand people, it's late in the game. You know, the other sound could have come from some lady screaming in the first row. I have no idea, but I can't buy that process. Now, afterwards, uh, Jim Wolf, uh, the home plate umpire, did come forward and he said, I blew the call. And I respect that because, yes. you know, like you go back to, to Joe Girardi not challenging and, you know, his explanation in the post game was I didn't want to take my pitcher out of his rhythm. That and, was worse than not doing right, it. Just just don't up to it and, and just say, you know what, I screwed up. And then Girardi did, you know, a day later uh, say that he screwed up. But bad calls, I mean, everybody makes mistakes, right? I mean, players make mistakes, coaches make mistakes, certainly referees slash umpires make mistakes. 
mistakes. And, and Jim Wolf, uh, you know, came out afterwards and owned it and said, "Yeah, we we screwed up." Now, fortunately, it didn't change the outcome of the game. Granderson uh, ended up getting out. The you know the Cubs win the game and the series continues. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, Joe Madden was uh, was heated to say the least. I'm, I'm glad that Granderson didn't hit a home run. Granderson, it's the next pitch out. You know, I might come running out of the clubhouse. You know, my jock strap. I mean, that was like really that bad. Nobody I, needed to I, see that. I the, the visual is enough. I don't, I don't need to actually have seen that. Nobody needed to see that. So that series uh, does continue. Yankees uh, one win away. Game five set for tomorrow night. Uh, back in Houston again, or Game Six rather. Justin Verlander going uh, for the Astros against Luis Severino, and should the series continue, they've got CC waiting. And and CC was uh, was awfully good in that do or die game in Cleveland. We do need to take our first time out. Phone lines open until one thirty. When we'll have Chris Gedney on three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. We're back after this on Orange Nation. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. We are brought to you in part by Christian Brothers Academy, CBA's open house set for October 29th. That's a Sunday from 1 to 3 o'clock. Just one guest lined up for you here in hour number two. Our good friend Chris Gedney set to join us at 1.30 as we talk some Syracuse football. Orange getting set to go on the road to take on Miami. Back-to-back weeks against top 10 opponents. Incidentally, this program has never beaten back-to-back top 10 opponents in program history. It's never happened. Until now. Well, potentially. Oh, maybe. Are you calling your shot? No. No, I Are am not. Are you pulling a, an Adam Terry and calling no. your shot? No. You know, one thing about this team, and we, we've we spent so much time in, in recent weeks discussing, you know, the offense and Eric Dungy and Irv Phillips and Steve Ishmael and whether or not they can run the ball. And, and you know, we've kind of glossed over the defense. I know we've given the defense credit for the amazing numbers on third down. And, and incidentally, they're up to number three in the country in terms of third down defense. But really, this defense across the board, Seth, I mean, you look at the numbers last year, and, and we knew that they were going to improve. I mean, there was only one way to go but up. But they've improved and improved dramatically. They're giving up 14 points per game less this year than last year. 14 points. Uh, and about 150 yards less. They were giving up, on average, 500 yards, 501 yards per game a year ago. A They're down around 350. Yeah. Um, and with this offense, and as much as the opponent's have the ball to only be giving up 350 that's not bad at all and and to to give up two touchdowns less per game obviously it's a big improvement and and so while the offense has been dynamic and it was last year and it is again this year the biggest difference has been on the on the defensive side of the football oh absolutely and and you want a a a weird drastic way to think about the cuts the defense has made uh offense against Syracuse is down 30 percent right if you're going to go yards per game 500 to, to 350 uh, that's incredible. That that's remarkable. Uh, to be able to go and and be that good, you know, and, and that much more improved. Uh, you know, coming into this year, remember the last time we saw them on the field, they gave up seventy five points. Uh, they they are not even looking like they are anything close to that defense this this year. And, and that's without Antoine Cordy again, right? I, I mean, imagine if they had Antoine Cordy. Imagine if they had Kendall Coleman last week. If they had Josh Black last week. Um, they would be that much better. And I think that those two, specifically Coleman and Black, are going to be important if they can play this week, and we'll get an injury report tonight. Uh, but if they can come back this week and play, um, that'll be important for SU. Miami's offensive line is really good, and uh, if they're going to get pressure, they're going to need those guys, and they're probably going to have to send pressure 
Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm curious to see how they go and play in a road environment uh, against another top 10 team, against a team that's got a really good offensive line. Uh, but the defense this year has been the difference from last year. And I'll be honest with you, Seth, going into the LSU game, I wasn't sure what to expect from an offensive perspective out of Syracuse. I didn't know if they could go on the road down to SEC country against that talented defense and and move the ball and put up points, and they did. And then we heard that NC State's defense was even better, and they were able to move the ball and put up points the following week. And then we heard that you know Clemson's defensive line is arguably the best in the country, and, and Syracuse went out and, and put up points. So... If you look at this defense giving up on average 24 points per game, don't you feel comfortable that the Orange offense can get to 28, 30 points uh, against oh, most sure. opponents? And so if you can hold your opponent to 24, you're going to win a lot of games with this offense. Look at what they've done the last two weeks. How many did they give up against Pittsburgh? 24 points. How many did they give up against Clemson? 24 points. They scored more than that, yeah. and they won the game. And so if you can hold them, you can hold Miami right to that average of 24, between 20, 24 points. I think you got to feel confident that this offense is going to score more than that, and it, it's going to, if the defense can continue to play like this, you're going to be in every game you play. Yeah, and, and you know what, Steve, when have they lost, right? They've lost when they've allowed more than 24 points. They lost Middle Tennessee State, they scored 30. Uh, LSU scored 35. NC State scored 33. Uh, you know, that's when they've lost. They've lost when they have allowed more than 24 points, and, and that's crazy to think about. Uh, but you know they're averaging more than thirty, and they're averaging you know, and they're, and they're giving up less than uh, twenty five. You know that's a formula that works, right? That that works uh, if you are uh, uh, this SU team. And like you said, if they can go and they can stop Miami enough, right? If they can hold them to twenty four points, you have to feel good, I think, about that team and about where they would be in that game. You know, I would I would imagine that would be a good thing. If Syracuse holds Miami to 24 points, I would give them a very good shot of winning. You know, if they score any more than that, I don't know, just because every time this year, all three times, they've allowed more than 24 points, they've lost. And you look at this third down defense ranked among the top 10 in the country, and I think early on it was safe to say, okay, well, you know what? They they did it against Central Connecticut State, and they did it in the non-conference, and maybe that, that stat is skewed a little bit given the opponents that they've played. We have a large enough sample size now, Seth, through seven games that, that this is not a fluke. I mean, to, to be able to do that and hold Clemson to two for 11 on third down, that's not by accident, whether no. Kelly Bryant was out there or not. Teams are converting less than 25% of third downs against the Syracuse defense. And I think you go back to last year and you say, well, well what's the difference? Well, number one, everybody's more comfortable in the system. The, you know, the young guys are a year older and a year better. And I also think that the strategy to some degree has changed. We've seen Syracuse bring a lot more pressure this year than they did last year, in my opinion. We saw last year a lot of times they would just you know rush the, the front four and they would drop back into coverage. We're seeing you know Paris Bennett get into the backfield and Zyre Franklin getting to the backfield and you know Chris Frederick on occasion getting to the Jonathan backfield. Jonathan Thomas laid a big hit yeah. on the quarterback last and, week. And that that's different than what we saw a year ago. We we saw a year ago that they would try to avoid giving up the big play, keep everything in front of them and and not put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. This year it seems the philosophy has changed and it's obviously working especially on third down. Yeah, and you know what? I I think that uh the third down idea, right? The the idea that they're better on third down uh, doesn't it also have to come with they're better on first and second? Uh, I mean, this defense is just better overall, so maybe it's longer third downs yeah, than they point. were last year. You know, maybe it's, you know, hey, you know, now it's third and seven instead of third and two on average, you know? It, it's a bit longer a play. Uh, 
there are also probably more third downs this year than there were last year, which would make it harder to, you know, which would make it for a defense easier to keep that percentage down uh, if you're drawing more third downs than you were a year ago. Um, and, and I just, again, I just think defense is better. Like, I, I you know, I, I don't think that we could say that enough. Like, the defense is just better this year than it was last year, than it was, you know, at, at any point in, in last season. Uh, this defense is just playing a lot better than it was. 315-437-7644. Chris Gedney set to join us in about 20 minutes. Need to take another time out. When we return, we'll get to today's business. You're listening to Orange Nation on ESPN Radio.